Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Hey guys, I'm Ryan. Uh, I'm the, one of the young adults pastors. Being an adults pastor with my amazing wife, Mim. Uh, and we're really excited to be sharing with you tonight. We're happy that you're joining us here online in uh, my lounge room. I hope it looks nice. This is weird for me, as it probably is for you a little bit, but uh, we're going to give it the best go we've got, and uh, we'll see how we go. So I might share a little bit from the Word. I might share some, share some thoughts I've had around this whole crazy mess we've get, been getting into. Um, and I think, you know, we've been going through, Gen- through Genesis, uh, through Joseph, Joseph in Genesis. Uh, we've been going through that for the last, you know, before all this stuff started happening, and I don't think that's an accident. Um, I love the way Joseph acts in times of crisis. And most of that story of Joseph, he is in a crisis um, in one way or another. And I, the way he responds to that is, is beautiful. And uh, so I want to chat a little bit about that. So I want to start off by talking about optimists or realists. Uh, what would you identify as? Would you view yourself as an optimist or would you view yourself as a realist? Optimist, someone who's always seeing the bright side of things. I'm going to put both of these, I'm going to put in like a good light. An optimist is someone who views the, like all the things, the bright side of things. And a realist um, probably is someone who, who thinks more realistically maybe about life. Those probably both have things that people would say are shadow sides, but how would you view yourself? Say it to, I don't know, if you're sitting in your lounge, say it to the person you're sitting next to you. Are you an optimist or a realist? Um, and if you're alone, say it to your dog. I don't know. Uh, are you an optimist or a realist? So there are two, my, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um, and I think there are two different ways of interpreting reality. Uh, am I an optimist or am I a realist? There are two different ways that we actually interpret reality. Uh, and both, um, so they're not two actually polar opposites. I think they're actually two sides of the same coin. They both have great strengths. They both have uh, great weaknesses. And they both, what I want to touch on in that is that they both can have, uh, in, in, a, in a weaker state or in a place where uh, an unhealthy state, they both can have a tendency to not trust God, to be, to be when we're unhealthy as an optimist or unhealthy as a realist, we both can not trust God. So an optimist might not trust God by denying any hurt, saying, oh, no, it's okay. Everything's great. Everything's amazing. I'm an optimist. You know, everything's amazing. That's actually not trusting God with the hurt, with something that's happening. It's saying, I'm denying anything bad happens. Um, and a realist might not trust God uh, by just over-focusing on hurt or over-focusing on being realistic, or some people might interpret that as being pessimistic. Um, but they both cannot trust uh trust god and trust in a time like this whether you are optimistic in a time like this or whether you're optimistic in a time like this or pessimistic or realistic or whatever it is in a time like this um they they both whether whichever one you default to um they both trust is really required in a time like this where it might just say everything's going to be fine we need to stop worrying or others might say this is really really bad we need to take this seriously both have their merits uh, but both in an unhealthy state, when we are feeling unhealthy, when we're feeling anxious and fearful, as we can in weird situations like this, unprecedented situations like this, they both can lead us to not trust. It's not one's better than the other. Uh, they both can lead us to not trust God and not uh, put his authority above our own, not say, God, I want what you want over what I want. I'm going to think what you think over what I think. Um, they can both be kind of even excuses to not trust God. So. 
in the story of Joseph, we see someone who trusts God uh, amidst the worst of scenarios, and ultimately, he's blessed by it. So I want you to turn, if you have a Bible, go grab it really quick. If you have a Bible as I'm reading it, go grab one and we'll put this verse on the screen. It's Genesis 50, uh, verses 14 to 21. Uh, Genesis 50, verses 14 to 21. And, and I'll read that. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I asked you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke to them kindly. And so kind of my big thought and what I've been just seeing in this life of Joseph, Joseph as we go through um, this, this kind of world-changing pandemic is what if everything that's happening right now that was intended for harm, that was intended to hurt us, that was intending, that was intended to tear us down, the church, but the world in general, that was, but really for us as Christians in the church, what if all these things that were intended to tear us down, uh, what if they're intended to bless us? What if they are intended, uh, you know, it says you intended to harm me, but what if God intends these things? for good, to accomplish what is going to be done in the future for the saving of many lives. Uh, and that Joseph has that, sees that when he looks back, he said, this, all these bad things that you, that has happened, uh, you, it is intended for harm, but God intended it for good. What is now being, what is, so for the good that's now being done. And, and what if we look back in 10, 20 years and we look back at all of this stuff that's going on and we say, Man, these things that were intended to harm the church, to harm us, to harm the world, um, God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. What if we look back and think that? And I think it's not just us looking back, but it's us living into that right now, that actually what all these things that are bad that are happening, God is intending for good. Um, so what if we treated all that stuff that way right now? Like, actually, this is God. You are using this as a blessing. This is going to bless us. And we actually, that's the first thing on our lips. That's the first thing that we, we say to people when we're talking about, actually, I believe God's doing really amazing things. I think that that takes a lot of trust. So that's not just a, that's not, that doesn't come natural. Like what you see on the news, what you're seeing in Instagram, social media, all that stuff. That's not the natural response people are having. Um, but as we kind of counterculturally and Jesus in this kind of upside down kingdom, what if we, the first thing we say is, man, God is doing amazing things to us. It's the first thing that we say. And that requires uh, enormous amounts of trust, enormous amounts of actually putting our faith in God and saying, God, I trust you over these circumstances. So I want to give some thoughts about trust. Um, and I want to give um, from the passage, some thoughts about trust. Uh, so there's three things about trust that I want to share with you guys. Uh, trust acknowledges and deals with hurt. 
uh, it, it deals with it acknowledges and deals with hurt and fear or the past. Uh, trust acknowledges those things. Uh, Pete Scazzaro, an emotionally healthy spirituality, says God never loses any of our past for His future. When we surrender ourselves to Him, every mistake, sin, and detour we take in the journey of life is taken by God and becomes His gift for a future of blessing. So God never loses anything from our past. There's nothing out there. He says, oh, that was a bummer. Let's leave that. Actually, every single thing that happens to us, bad things, our own mistakes, the mistakes that have happened to us, things that, uh, things that have happened in the world, like that are happening right now. God doesn't waste those things. He uses all of those to bless us, uh, as, as Pete would say. Um, and you can see that in, in Joseph's response to his brother, brothers, um, Joseph trusts God with his past. He doesn't deny his past when he talks to his brothers. He's not like when they say, oh, you know, they were your slaves. They're throwing themselves at his feet. He's like, oh, no, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It's all good. He doesn't like just like hide from the fact that he had a years and years and years and years of pain and heartache. He doesn't hide from that. Um, it says just verses before that, that he, he just wept profusely when his, he saw his father die. But again, when he received the message about the, the lie from the brothers about how they should react, he wept when he saw that. Um, he wasn't denying his past. Uh, Joseph, uh, he, he even says when he's, when he's giving that line that we're focusing on, he says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. But he didn't say, oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It wasn't that bad. God intended it for good. He doesn't like wipe it away and just say, oh, it's not that bad. He actually acknowledges that there's pain and hurt in his past. And for us to trust God for our future and for the blessings that he's bringing, we have to be able to trust him with our past. We have to be able to trust him with our hurt, uh, with the bad things that are happening around us and be honest that these are things that we don't want. And so we have to be able to trust God with our past and say, you intended to harm me. Uh, and say, man, this is intended for harm. We have to acknowledge that it is that. And then we have to say, but God is intending it for good. So we can't just say, oh, no, it's okay. I, it's, it doesn't matter. God intends it for good. We actually, as mature like adults, we have to be able to say, this sucks. This is, this is not what we want. I don't want church to be like us in our lounge rooms. I want to be at church with you. I want to be at the door greeting people, giving hugs, giving whatever it is. I want to be you know, I want ushers to be able to help people find people to their seats. I want to have a, you know, our, our breakout time in the middle of the service where I can go see someone I haven't seen in a long time. Like, oh, it's so good to see you. Like, this is not what we want. And we have to be able to acknowledge that. We can't just say, no, no, it's okay. We're going to move on. We're going to keep going. We have to be able to say, oh, it's okay. But it's, it's not, this is not what we want. This is not where we want to be as a church. We want to, we already want to be with you as the Bible commands that we should be with each other. Uh, so it's okay that, that we can acknowledge those things. Uh, Joseph didn't minimize or rationalize the painful years of his past, but out of his honest grieving of the pain, he truly forgave and was able to bless the brothers who betrayed him. Uh, so the second thing is we have God's favor, uh, and this gives us the power to trust. So God's favor on us gives us the power to trust. Um, so the story of Joseph it continually talks about the favor of God being on Joseph's life uh, and people seeing it. So Potiphar, you could, it says Potiphar saw the favor that Joseph had. Uh, the people in the prison saw the favor that Joseph had. Pharaoh saw the favor that Joseph had. They, there's verses all throughout that mention his favor. They all saw that he had it. Uh, but favor didn't mean, God's favor didn't mean that everything went well for Joseph. 
uh, didn't mean that his life was rosy keen. It was like, actually, a lot of those years were really rough. On the contrary, uh, things went quite wrong for him. But Joseph knew that favor from God was not things always going well. Favor was his God-given ability to trust God when things were not going well. So favor, we have favor as God's children. Uh, we have his favor, but our favor, the favor of God on our lives doesn't mean that everything goes well for us. The favor of God on our lives means we have the, like, the supernatural ability to trust him even when everything says we shouldn't trust him. Um, it favors our ability given to us as God, as given to us from God, sorry, as his children to trust him, even when things are crazy and they're not how we want them to be and they're not going well. Um, it's, it's a supernatural power God gives us to trust him and to praise him in all things, to, to say, God, I praise you in all things. And it's an, actually, it's an act of obedience to him. It's an act of being obedient to God to say, God, I trust you and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to say, you want, you're, you're blessing me right now, even though all these things are going wrong. I'm saying, God, I know that you're blessing me. And it's actually, we have that supernatural power. That's the favor of God on our lives to be able to do that. Um, Merlin Carruthers in his book, Prison to Praise, uh, how, he talks about how we actually can praise God for everything because God wants to use everything in our lives, even the bad things or the things that we perceive as bad. He wants to use those to bless us. He just he talks about throughout it about how uh, no matter what it is, just praise God for it. No matter what it is, just say, God, I thank you for this thing. Whatever it is, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. He says in it, uh, praising him is not something so we do because we feel good. Praising him isn't something we do because we feel good. Rather, it is an act of obedience. So we praise God out of it. It's an act of obedience. I know I do it because I know God is good. I don't always get it, but I know I just do it in obedience. God, I praise you. I trust you in these crazy times, this crazy coronavirus, all the stuff going on. I just, I trust you no matter what. It's obedience that we, and we, that we do that to him. Um, so that second one was, it's that favor. We have the favor of God to trust him. And through that favor, we can act in obedience to trust him. Um, the third thing is trust is given to us from God as his children. So Joseph didn't earn God's favor. It was given to him. Uh, it doesn't show him laboring to trust God. I think that's intentional in the text. It's not, he's, he doesn't, you don't see him sitting in the prison. Like, okay. You don't see him laboring or actually favor and trust was given to him as a child of God. Uh, we, I can't force myself just like, oh, okay. To be more trusting. Um, trust is actually an outworking of my knowledge and my positioning in front of God as his child. So the more we're able just to acknowledge and live into that we are a child of God, the more we're able to trust God. Because when you look at a child, a child, children, children trust if in a good, in a good, uh, family, obviously children trust their parents. And that's what God calls us into. In Matthew 18, three, he said, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So he, he's calling all of us become like children. Uh, I can't force myself to trust him. I can't think, okay, God, I'm just going to try and trust you, but I can position myself or posture myself to slowly become like a child to slowly become 
someone who trusts God with everything, who goes to him with everything and say, God, this sucks. I don't like this. This isn't what I want, but I trust you because you're my father and I know you have good things for me. So we can't make ourselves trust, but we can posture ourselves as children. That takes humility. It's saying, oh, I don't have it all worked out. I don't know. I'm not the smartest. I'm not the best. Children are, are fully aware of their need of God. We have to be aware of our need. So posture yourself as a child. And that's, that's a way we can put ourselves in a place where we can receive favor to trust God. Um, Henry Nouwen in this book, Walk with Jesus, where he goes through the stations of the cross, where, or the, in the stations of the cross, if you aren't familiar, when Jesus, it's, it's the tradition that people go through often around Easter, which we're getting into, where it's the pas- passages in the Bible where Jesus walks um, from being sentenced to death to where he's crucified. And there's different stations, different moments in these verses uh, that we, medit- we meditate on over the Easter time. Uh, and Henry Nouwen wrote this book of meditations around that. And one, he specifically focuses on what it means to be a child uh, on the station where Jesus kind of falls under his cross as he's walking up the hill to be crucified. And he says this, I just want to read, it's a long quote. Um, we might put that on the screen in different sections as well, but I'd just like to read it over you. Uh, you might want to close your eyes and just have a think about it and just let it wash over. You might want to read along, whatever you want to do. Uh, but he just has this, these ideas about Jesus uh, submitting to God and being a child and then our call to be children in that. Jesus is not the conquering hero who undergoes suffering with staunch determination and an iron will. No, he who is born as a child of God and a child of Mary, adored by shepherds and wise men, never became the proud, self-possessed leader who wanted to lead humanity to the great victory over the powers of darkness. He always remained a child and said to his followers, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is the innocent child falling under the heavy burden of the cross of human anguish, powerless, weak, and very vulnerable. But there we can touch the mystery of the compassionate heart of God that embraces all children around around us as well as within us. I know that I am a child, a child who underneath all my accomplishments and success keeps crying out to be held safe and loved without conditions. I also know that losing touch with my, my, with my child is losing touch with Jesus and all who belong to him. Each time I touch my inner child, I touch my powerlessness and my fear of being left alone with no one to give me a safe place. Jesus dies on the cross to allow me to reclaim my child. That place in me where I am out of control and in desperate need of being lifted up and reassured. He wants me to discover that beyond all emotions of rejection and abandonment, there is love, real love, lasting love, love that comes from a God who became flesh and who will never leave his children alone. So our homework for today (laughs) isn't uh, just go try and trust God harder. Uh, Instead, it's consider, I I want us to consider, well, what might it look like? Uh, for you to become like a child? What might it look like for you to posture yourself as a child today? Uh, What might it look like for you to leave your realism or your optimism at the door, not hiding from pain or hurt or confusion or fear? Uh, 
and not and not focusing on confusion or pain or fear uh, because children don't hide from those things they take it honestly to their parent knowing that they care what might it look like to come to god just wanting to know him not trying to get anything out of him not saying god you have to fix this thing but just coming to him saying god i want to know you as your child and i believe as we come to him as children we will be blessed with the favor of trust. We'll be blessed with the favor of being able to trust him supernaturally in times where it looks like anything, but we'll be able to bless him with, and we'll be able to trust him and say, God, I know you are bringing good in these times, even when everything looks bad, even when things look weird. God, I know you are good because I am your child. So what might it look like for you to become like a child today? I want us to sit with that, you know, as the band might lead us in worship again, I want us to sit with that. And I'd love to pray a prayer over you as we consider that. So if you want to close your eyes, bow your heads, I'd love to pray. with you. Dear Lord, speak gently in my silence. When the loud outer noises of my surroundings and the loud inner noises of my fears keep pulling me away from you, help me to trust that you are still there even when I am unable to hear you. Give me ears to listen to your small, soft voice saying, Come to me, you who are burdened, and I will give you rest, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Let that loving voice be my guide.